Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Weems podcast. We're so glad to have you listening in today. Before Carrie joins us in today's episode, we want to remind you that the best way to keep up with all the latest content being released by Carrie is to follow her on social media. She's on Instagram and Twitter, so follow her at Carrie Weems, and you can also find her on Facebook as well, and even comment to let us know how much you're enjoying the podcast and the teaching that Carrie has been bringing to all of us. And don't forget, you can always visit CarrieWeems.com to learn more about her and to see a full list of the books, curriculums, and resources that she has recently released. Thanks again for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this episode of the Carrie Weems podcast. I'm Carrie Weems, and I'm so glad you're here today joining us as we conclude this season with our final episode about women in ministry, talking about your questions that you have um, sent in or asked over the years. Um, and Clay Baird is with us today. Again, my official interviewer. I'm back. Would not ever be having this podcast without him because otherwise it would be so weird sitting here talking to this black sound <laughs> absorber by myself, pretending like... I know what I'm talking about, but um, yeah, this is our, um, we're setting up our last episode today, well, my last episode today, and um, I kind of feel like this is your podcast too now, Clay, because I'll, you're always here, and sure, it's I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy. Clay I'm, is here to help us talk about women in ministry, but um, yeah, so yeah, and we'll be coming back next season yeah. in August with some brand new content, and um, I'm really excited about that. I don't want to say what it is yet, because I have some options in my head, and um, I don't want to promise something, but I can promise you this. It's going to be good. It will be good. I'm very excited about it. So um, today we're going to pick up where we left off, women in ministry, questions that I have heard, you know, over the years as I've sat in panels and listened to women talk about the things and the challenges that they are struggling with and facing and hopefully just, you know, on a panel, you never have enough time to say everything you want to say. Yeah. Like, I want to say so much more about this, but I'm one of like six people. And so I really have like 45 seconds. So I just wanted to have a platform really in a place to talk in a little bit more depth about the way I've worked through these things in my life. So yeah, and I'll say it because Carrie's too humble to say it, but she uh, has traveled around a lot and, uh, and had opportunities to sit and do panels with a lot of great women in ministry who are leading, who are very well known. You'd all, you would all know their names, uh, but she's been in the rooms answering a lot of questions that women are asking. And so that's why I love this platform of this podcast, because it's, it's given Carrie an opportunity to really take a little bit more time Thank you. and share some stuff. And so if you ever have uh, any questions that you'd like to submit, make sure you do that at CarrieWeems.com, uh, or you can email us at info at CarrieWeems.com. But let's jump right in. So the first question for today's episode, uh, coming from a pastor's wife, the question is, what should we be free of as pastor's wives, and so in other words, what societal pressures are being put on pastor's wives that really we should just let go of? Ah. Like, it's just the, the burden that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that traditionally, I guess, has been put on pastor's wives yeah. that really uh, you shouldn't be carrying, and, and you should be free of that. Yeah, that's that's a really good question, um, and I think you're talking to the right person because nobody hates doing things just for social pressure more than me. <laughs> I hate showing up to things just because society thinks I should, and I buck against this all the time. So for me, I think that I would throw off everything. Yeah. Like, why should I do anything just for society? But um, there is a balance in there because there are manners and societal protocol because it means things to people. And when we don't show up at things or don't do things um, that we should be doing, it can communicate something that we don't intend to communicate, like that you don't care or that you don't think it's important uh -huh. or whatever. So, um, yeah, that's good. I wish I could come up with a good example of that. I think, um, 
you think of any good? Well, example? I think I think perhaps you know perhaps a traditional thing is oh every pastor's wife has to do a women's ministry. Ah, that's a good thing too. They, they, you have to. It's like it's like non non negotiable. You got to do it. Well, yeah. Not necessarily. You don't so, have some to. Some of them are gifted. I know some that are worship leaders, and 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 worship is is their lane that yeah. they excel in, and and so. Yeah, stuff, stuff like that. I think that's that's a real important thing. Like you, sh- you can't fall into the ministry of the person behind you, yeah. whether you know or what people expect. I do think you need to have women, ministry for women, and I think it's best if the pastor's wife can speak into it, yeah. because otherwise, I think women's ministries can kind of become this little subculture in the church, and yeah. they can be not as effective. Oh, just 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 like young adult ministries. And yeah, like all any sorts kind of stuff. thing that's yeah. demographically focused yeah. can become a subculture. And it, that's when it moves beyond the natural friendships that you want to happen, and it becomes kind of disconnected. And then you, you know, the church might want to speak into it, but it finds that it's just yep. hard to get into it. Yep. Um, so I do think for that reason, it's great if the pastor's wife can look at it and make sure that her her voice is heard, or, or that she's at least, you know, her hand is on it. Or yep. even if she, like, one of the things I would do is like when I can't be at things, I might create videos that say, "Hey, I'm so glad you're here today." That her, you know, or, or the leader is someone that she knows very well, yep. but she's have to do it. Um, and then the other thing I might say is just showing up to stuff for the sake of showing up. Um, that is like, ah, it's a drain for me. Um, I think, you know, like for example, when your church is smaller, everyone expects you to show up to every baby shower and every wedding and every like, you know, I don't know, just every thing. And there might be times when, you know, there's. 14 pregnant people and they're all going to have their babies in July. And you're like, I cannot, I just can't go to that many baby showers Yeah. or like everybody's selling. There was a time when everyone was selling pampered chef. Like I would get five invitations a week to pampered chef parties or to candlelight and God bless you. But I just can't do that. I don't even want that many cooking gadgets. It sounds funny, but someone right now is identifying with everything you're saying. Yes. And I just kind of got to the point where first, I kind of think start where you are because you do want to communicate that you're for people, right? But when someone can tell people, I'm just going to be super honest. When someone can say to people, oh, Carrie Weems is going to be at my Pampered Chef party. They're going to get a lot more people at their Pampered Chef party. Right. When the lead pastor and their wife, yep. All exactly. So when we first had our church, I thought this is just showing that I care about this person and I do and I want their business to succeed. But then I go and then, of course, I'm there. So I feel like I need to buy something. And so you do that a few times. You spent several hundred dollars on, you know, a handheld whisk or a batter bowl. You know what I'm saying? But um, I finally just had to say, I can't do this anymore. Like Pampered Chef is not a part of my life. Yeah. This person is. I'm happy to be there for them, but I can't do every Pampered Chef and baby yeah. shower. And even right now, you know, I, I just don't do a lot of that kind of thing, not because I don't care, but because honestly, my schedule is super, super tight. I do it for people that I am friends with. Yeah. Like I would... I'm really legitimately friends with you, not yep. just because this person is on our staff or this person is a top leader. I would have to be legitimately like have a real relationship with them. Yeah. So that's kind of how I, I do that. And then um, some people don't, unfortunately, as the church grows, like mm-hmm. you've mentioned, and now there's so many babies being born, yeah. so many weddings that people want you to officiate, you know, and all this kind of stuff. You walk up to someone like, oh, you had your baby. Yeah, five years ago. Here she is. She's in <laughs> kindergarten now. Oh, great. But so, hey, some you've lost people... the weight well. <laughs> Some people, honestly, they congregants. Now I'm speaking. They, they honestly don't do the best job. I think all of us as congregants can do a better job at really giving our lead pastors some grace and understanding that 
just because they didn't come to your wedding or they didn't yeah. whatever. Like there, there is so many people asking them to do the exact same thing. Yeah, uh, it it is very overwhelming, and yeah. and so there's a lot of requests coming in. People really don't know. Um, I I'm fortunate enough to sit close enough to you and Pastor Stovall yeah. to see the amount of requests that come in. Yeah. Um, even counseling. Counseling is everyone wants the people lead really pastors. do think that they think that if they could just meet with us that. Something we're going to say something amazing that's going to solve their problems for them, but we actually really don't have anything to, new to tell you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just we and have people, and we're fortunate enough to have licensed counselors. Yeah. On our church staff, mm-hmm. who are phenomenal at this. Yeah. So even sometimes it's like the better service would be for you to actually go to this other individual. Yes, I think sometimes people think if I could just get a meeting with Carrie, like I won't be depressed anymore, and I'm yeah. like, no, you're gonna like, that's what I do, like. If you want me to pray for you, then come to Wednesday. Like, come to right, church. Right, I'm right. going to be praying for people. Like, or you know, that's the that God moment that you want to step into. But yep. you still have to do the work. You know, it's not going to be this. Oh, Carrie can pray for me. I'm going to get healed quicker, or my marriage will get. You know, I don't have a magic yeah. formula. Yeah, yeah, it's so true, so true. There, and that, and I think that's the benefit of being a part of a body, a true body of mm-hmm. Christ. When you raise up people who are strong in different lanes. So that now the lead pastors yeah. don't have to be the only ones doing every single thing. I know, and that should make everyone happy because oh, you should. would have to literally. If I was doing everything, you would have to wait for three years to get an appointment <laughs> with me because there's Forever. about 200 people ahead of you. Forever. But the um, other thing too, I think we talked about this a little bit in our last Women in Ministry podcast. People who are having conflicts in their area of ministry, yeah. like they're serving in kids or they're serving in guest services, and they're having a problem, and they're like, "I I will only meet with Pastor Carrie." And I'm like, well, then you're not meeting with anyone because yeah. I'm not going to meet with you about kids ministry because I don't, I yeah. don't even know what's going on in there. Like, you need yeah. to go through your proper. If my kids pastor can't solve this issue, then it's, you know, it's not coming to me. Right. It's gonna, they're gonna solve it. They're fully capable of solving this. Absolutely. And so the minute that someone says to me, this is just me being a little bit of like rebellious, I guess, whatever. <laughs> um, someone says I'll only meet with Pastor Carrie. I'm like, well, then you're just not meeting with someone because I don't. If if people issue a was that called? You know, it's an ultimatum. Well, uh, uh, when people it, issue an ultimatum yeah. to me, I'm like, I don't do the ultimatums because yeah. that's... Well, it's a form of manipulation. It is. It's manipulating. And so, so you, you haven't shown me how important that is to you. You've shown me how manipulative you are. Yeah. So that's we're not true. we're not talking. <laughs> that's true. I know. I really don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you don't want to be that person. Write that down. Don't be that person. If you're just a general person, if you ever tell your pastor, I will only meet with you about this and nobody else, just know that you're not being strong and you're not showing them how much you care about it really you're showing them is how manipulative and stubborn you are yeah. and they really will never meet with you now that's not a good place no. to be all right next question how can my spouse and i honor each other in front of our congregation support one another publicly when we aren't always serving in the same ministry at the church so i i'm assuming maybe this person is saying they're not always seen publicly mm-hmm. serving alongside their spouse. Yeah. But hey, we really love each other. <laughs> we really want to honor each other. We're all doing good. I think the concern here is for modeling healthy marriage. Okay. They want people to know like, hey, we have a good marriage and they want to model healthy marriage, yeah. but they're just not doing the same things. And so I'm assuming that this concern would come from a past, like maybe a church planter where she's like doing kids or something and then he's preaching and yep. they just don't, are not seen on stage together. That's true. So I would just make times maybe if that's a concern for you first of all I wouldn't too much worry about that I think um there might be some unspoken rules that like people need to see you together and know that you're doing good people can tell 
if your marriage is good, believe it or not. They well, can... that goes back to the first question. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's just a societal pressure that's being put on the two of them that, hey, you always got to be together. If you're not yeah. together, what's wrong? Yeah. Like, why are you not standing by him? Why? Like, well, I'm actually, yeah. why you would be, your kids would be sitting next to you if I was standing next to him <laughs> yeah. because no one would be doing kids ministry. But I think more than anything, I think people can tell like when you're around each other, when you are around each other, are y'all standing? Are you hugging? Are you leaning toward each People can tell by the way you talk to each other. Yeah. You're, or you're, you're, you know, when you love someone, your face lights up when you see them, you lean into them. You're maybe you're just standing there and he puts his arm around you or you hold his hand. It's just, there's physical affection. There's leaning toward. And I think people can tell, you know, and no amount of Instagram posting dates with <laughs> your hot hubby or hot wife is going to counteract or, you know, override what they see yeah. you do toward each other in person. And so if that's really a concern, I would say, then maybe once in a while you create opportunities for you to, you know, be there together on stage or I don't know, but you could create those opportunities. But honestly, I wouldn't worry too. And if you're speaking well of each other and Mm -hmm. you're, you know, when you're together, people can see that you love each other, then I wouldn't worry about it. Honestly, I think that's a pressure that maybe you should just let go of. People can tell that you love each other. They don't need to, for you to do that by ministering together. Okay. All right, next one. This was the last one we got on our list for today's episode. Uh, being this person is saying being a woman in ministry is lonely. Uh, so for, let's so obviously maybe not everyone feels that it is lonely, but this mm-hmm. individual feels like they're in a lonely place uh-huh. being a woman in ministry. And so, how can you deal with that? Yeah. Uh, if if you are out there and mm-hmm. you, and you're a woman trying to serve in the church and and maybe feel lonely. Yes. Well, that is a. I was kind of joking because I'm like, I usually never feel lonely. I usually feel relationally overwhelmed a little bit. But yeah. the truth is, I know what, I know that feeling. It's not just yeah. that you don't have people around you because we all have people around us all the time. It's that feeling of, you know, not being truly known by anyone. Okay. Because you feel like, like you know, there's a, my friend Diane Wilson says, um, this has this great, this great little statement that she says, to know is to love. Yeah, And so what she means by that is when we take the time to truly know someone, that is an act of loving them. Yeah, And when you are in some, a role that's kind of public where you feel like I can't really be known. And also I would say, well, we'll I'll talk about that in a second. It can feel lonely, not because you don't have people around you, but because there's not that one person that really knows, knows you. Yeah. And, I felt like that when we first moved here because, you know, we, we planted the church and I had Chris and Ashley were with us and I knew them, but we weren't super close friends in Baton Rouge. And then Lee and Nicole Alexander were with us and, you know, we had, we were recent friends, but for the most part, I left behind everybody that had any kind of history with me. Uh-huh. Like there was nobody that, you know, those private jokes when you're with your family, yep. like, or you're with, you're back home and someone, you hear like a, the LSU fight song and everyone's like, yeah, you know, like there's certain things about where you grew up and people have history and right. I left all that. And so... I had history with no one in Jacksonville. I did not know a soul. And there was just a whole part of me that people people would, were meeting me at church, and there was 28 years of life that they had no idea about. Yeah. And it was they were brand new relationships, and I had no idea who I could trust and no idea who would be there in a year. And um, it was hard. And so I tended to find people. You know, I think part of it is this. You have to just take the risk sometimes yeah. because it's not good for you to be alone. Yeah. And I did take a risk and there were people who I did like get to know me and I had some really good friendships in those early days and the people are not here anymore. Right. Yeah. And that part was hard. But the while it lasted, while the friendship was there, 
it was a beautiful friendship and it was strengthening and it was fun. And not every relationship is going to go the distance of your whole life. And we just have to be okay with that. You know, that's so true. One time I heard it said like this, that like relationships are life in life are they're like a bus trip. (laughs) People get on the bus for X amount of miles and then that's their stop and they get off. Yeah. Like it is kind of, I don't know if foolish is too hard of a word, but it, it kind of is foolish to assume that everyone with you at, at day one is going to be with you at day end. Yeah, very you know few I mean? people will ever... Will do the full journey. Lord, like there's, I think there's like two people. Yeah. Maybe one now. <laughs> That's here, Heather Watson, if you're listening. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is. It's You have to... What you're, what you're. I think sometimes we don't want the risk of that person, like the pain of that person not being there. Yeah. And maybe you can kind of tell, like, this person and I have a great connection, but I don't... Like you have to risk it and if and, and know that if for whatever reason that person ends up exiting your life, um, that doesn't negate the the good that was done through that relationship. Yep, yep. You can't think in black and white terms. And I would also say that and I don't know the person that asked this question, I don't know what stage of life you're in. Like if you have right. young kids, that's re- your relational needs are really different than if you are an empty nester or if you have teenagers or if you're single. I mean it just yep, their yep. your relational needs are really, really different. But, um, you know, if you're married, and I think, wait, pastors, women, okay, yeah. If you're, yeah. If you're married, your marriage relationship should, you should be able to be honest with your husband, and yep. he should be able to know you and love you. And sometimes that, like, in my life, there's been times that that's the only relationship I had like that. Yeah. Um, that's but, so true. you know, you also have to fill your life with different kinds of friends. Yep. You know, like, uh, I have a, in my Brothers of Grace book, I have a section on relationships, and I talk about there's, you know, with, like, money, think of it like money. There's money to spend. There's money to invest. Yep. Okay. Spending and investing, right? Spending is something you do. You trade money for something that you want and it gives you a short term fun satisfaction. Right. You're just having, you know, you're going to use it right then. Now, but investing is something that you're going to put it away and you ex- you might not see the return, all the return at once, but it's going to accrue over time and it's going to be this return into your life. Yep. But think of like money, right? So if we spend all of our money, then that's not wise because we don't have anything for later. Yep. Nothing long-term is built. But if we invest all of our money, then we never, we never have fun. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like yeah. you're not, life is meant to be enjoyed. It's yeah. not meant to just be frugal sitting there reusing your plastic baggies and, you know what I'm saying, sewing <laughs> yeah. all, all your socks. So you never, you know, you have to have, you have to spend and you have to invest that's because great. spending is how you enjoy life and investing is how you gain security yeah. and have richness in life, Right. So your friendships are the same way. It's good. But not every relationship is an investment relationship. Yep. You know? Yep. Most relationships are spending relationships, and that means this is a great person to go to the movies with. I can go to dinner with this person. Yep. We can go to the tour of homes for Christmas, and our kids like each other, and so we might have lunch sometimes. With all the, like, But they're not, you know, not going to be the friends that you yeah. invest in. Those friends are very few. If you have two of those people in your life, one even, wow. I mean, that is a huge blessing. Yeah. But we tend to, some types of personalities can tend to only in value the investment relationships and not the spending relationships. Yeah. But you need a, I would say, have a broad mix of different kinds of friendships and value what they bring to your life. That's really good. Does that make sense? That does make sense. I've heard it said like this, and, and then we can close. But like, what do you think about this statement? Uh, I think a lot of us, if you've ever listened to any leadership content, you've probably heard this statement. I just wondered, is it true? Is it not true? What are your thoughts? That leadership is lonely at the top. Yeah, I think it's as lonely as you want to make it. I okay. mean, there's going to be people who can't always understand what you're doing. They don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. 
but they can still love you and you can receive that love and it doesn't have to be lonely. I think we have idealized versions of in our head of this is what real friendship is. It's, I mean, you get, it's like we think of friendship as like quotes we get off Pinterest. <laughs> like a friend is someone who's seen the best of you, the worst of you and loves you anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, that could be also a little bit of entitlement yeah, yeah. and a little bit of selfishness. I actually don't want my friends to see the worst of me. I want to be my best self for my friends because friendship isn't actually just about me. It's about what I bring to the table for other people. So right. maybe that's a better description and more realistic description of friendships. Friends are not the kind of person that you can just have an emotional meltdown around all the time and they can just take your crap. Yeah. <laughs> we edit that out. That's so, so we should true. redo that statement. Friends are not people that you can just have emotional meltdowns around all the time and they can just take it because they just love you so much. If you're having emotional meltdowns around your friends, then you're not a very good friend. If that's basically what you're contributing to the, that's true to the relationship. So I think like, yes, it can be lonely in some ways, but my experience is if, I mean, it doesn't have to be, you choose, I get to choose how lonely my relationships are. And some of that, uh, that has to do with how much, how vulnerable I'm willing to be to the right people, how much effort I'm willing to put into it. Um, and also what kind of expectations I put on my friendships. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not going to, ha- I'm not going to make my friends I, like I lean on them so much. Like they have to be there for me for everything. I just need to be included in a group of friends and you know, I need to be able to handle some things. If you're healthy, you should be able to gauge the right boundaries within different friendships. And right. if you, it's really hard for you to do that so that you feel really isolated, I would say, I would ask myself, Am I having boundaries? I have issues with boundaries like where someone has to be so trusted to be close to me or where every friendship has to be this very, very close. It's just me and this one other person and we're ride or die. Mm -hmm. Like then you might need to readjust some of your expectations and beliefs about what friendship is because it doesn't have to be lonely. Yeah. Well, that's good. That is a good episode right there. We talked about we talked about pressures being put. (laughs) On women in ministry, we talked about loneliness and relationships, uh, husbands and, and wives and, and their public relationships in front of maybe the people they lead. So there's a lot yeah. that was just talked about. You should today. all be set. Live long and prosper. Go on. Right. I don't even need to do another episode ever again because this is one is so good. No, I'm kidding. That was awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but hey, this is actually wrapping up season yeah. one. Wrapping it up. Can't believe it. We did a whole season. It's been it's been a lot of content. If you're new to the Carrie Weems podcast and maybe you just saw this uh, episode being promoted on maybe social media, listen, go back and listen um, to some of the older episodes from this season. There were some great ones. One of the ones we recently talked about was the old Anatomy of an Apology yeah, mm-hmm. episode. Uh, and if you're having conflict out there, the Apology episode is for you. I loved and that episode. It was fun. It was fun to do. It was practical. We literally helped people uh, craft an apology yes. that is genuine. Yes. Hopefully <laughs> people people did it and it worked for them. And not just some of the shallow apologies that we've all heard or even I'm given. Sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way. Not an apology. I'm sorry your feelings are so weak. Anyway, so... <laughs> Um, but hey, uh, man, Carrie, thank you so much for a great season. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming along with me. It's been awesome. To this have is awesome. Someone to t- bounce things off of, you know. And listen, y'all, Carrie is going to be coming back for season two, probably late summer. Uh huh. I guess late summer, uh, early fall. We're going to release season two. Uh, we have lined up. We don't want to give it away, but we have lined up some very influential guests mm-hmm. that uh, are potentially going to be on the show. Some great authors that are going to be uh, on some of our episodes, and so it's all going to be great. All right. But uh, we love you guys. And as always, if you ever have questions, uh, visit us at carryweems.com or uh, email us at info at carryweems.com. You can follow Carrie on social media and uh, let us know how you're enjoying the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and all that good stuff. And we will see you in season two. 
Hey, thanks again for joining us here at the Carrie Weems Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to share it with your friends and followers on social media. And don't forget, one of the best ways you can help us get the word out is to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It's a simple and easy way that you can help us spread the word about the great teaching that Carrie has been sharing. Plus, if you would like Carrie to answer one of your questions in an upcoming episode, we would love to hear them. All you have to do is email them to us at info at Don't forget to follow on social media to stay up to date on all the latest resources that are releasing on Instagram and Twitter at Carrie Weems, or you can find Carrie on Facebook as well. And of course, for a full list of all the available books and resources, just visit CarrieWeems.com. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.